Welcome to the Be Your Own Muse podcast. I'm your host, Katie Skinner. I'm a certified life and success coach, wellness junkie, career writer, keynote speaker, mentor, serial entrepreneur, and big time dreamer. My podcast is for the self-love junkie, the creative hustler type with the big heart, spiritually curious dreamers and believers out there who want to tap into their own magic. This podcast is for you if you want to tune out the noise and tune into your heart. Time to say no to what's not aligned and say yes to what your soul craves. Grab the microphone, Rockstar, because when you are your own muse, you are unstoppable. Hello and welcome to the Be Your Own Muse podcast. I'm your host, Katie Skinner, and here I have Genevieve Jin, who is a yogi extraordinaire. I think that I think Genevieve is just freaking awesome. So Genevieve um, teaches yoga online and offline, connecting yogis to their happy, healthy, and peaceful self outside and online. Um, she's a kundalini instructor. Also, she does ver- varieties of different types of yoga classes. I've actually taken a couple of her yoga classes, and I can say that she really can do it all. Um, and she also hosts uh, yoga hikes, which I think is super, super cool. Um, the idea of the yoga hike is that it's exactly what it sounds like. You go somewhere beautiful with some beautiful people, um, and there's yoga involved. There's meditation, breath work, community. It's like, especially having lived in D.C., um, where I met Genevieve, I felt like that was just such a deeply needed service. So hello, hello Genevieve, how are you? <laughs> Peace Katie, thanks, and thanks for your intro. Yeah, I'm feeling well today. Good, good. So, okay, so I've, I I just feel like so impressed with like who you are as a person. So like I want, I want to like share my story on like how I met you and all that stuff, but I'm gonna like let you do the talking, but I will, I will preface by saying that, um, Genevieve and I met because we used to teach the same yoga studio. And then we taught taught at the same yoga studio again, (laughs) uh, in DC, in the DC area, um, Washington DC to be more specific. Um, and I don't know, like, it just feels like yoga is like your, it's like your thing. It's like, no matter what happens, like it's, it's your thing. It's like what you, what you give off, what you're the most connected to, what, uh, talk a little bit about like what have you always been teaching yoga? Has there been like a transition? Like what's been your your connection to the practice? Yeah, so yoga is definitely my backbone. Mm-hmm. I first found yoga in high school and it was not necessarily like a traditional lineage class that being like Hatha or Kundalini or Bikram or something like that, Ashtanga. Um, It was this woman, Patricia Moreno, who leads this class called Intensati. And it's like a mixture of cardio and verbal mantra, like positive mantra. So you would be moving through different exercises and like repeating mantra, I am focused or I am strong or I am present. Like as you were moving, you were telling your body what, how, where your mind was. Um, And that got me through quite a bit. My dad passed away when I was young. And so I think all of the grief, grieving is a long, long process Mm -hmm. for some. 
some instances experiences grief is a little shorter but losing my dad uh when i was 11 it like definitely took me for a whirlwind like already it's hard enough being a middle schooler <laughs> so then to also lose a parent um yeah everyone to their own journey i'm thankful for it i just definitely moved through a lot of depression and angst as a kid so it's my mom to introduce me to something that used my body and my mind and my voice uh was a really special gift that i don't think i realized was a gift until later on so yeah i kind of left the practice throughout college i still moved my body a lot and um believed in affirmations and um experimented with a lot of different uh religions and philosophies that used some type of verbal devotion whether it be bhakti or buddhism chanting or just like really diving into my spirituality and after college i was in the desert uh helping at-risk youth it was like my way of giving back um after grieving and being like a rebel teenager and making <laughs> bad choices i decided as an adult i want to serve this population in some capacity kind of like to heal my own wound with that trauma so what did you do you said you bought you you gave back and you were in the desert where where specifically were you and what did you do I was in Southwest Utah, close to you, sweet mama, near Vegas. Vegas was like a nice little hub for me. So I was in St. George and I helped out with a wilderness therapy organization there. I was a field instructor. So um, at-risk youth or kids who weren't making the greatest choices or who were just kind of moving through their own trauma and unfortunate circumstance um, would come to us either sent by their parents or the state or whatever government it be there were students from all over so i would i was in charge of helping them move through the desert so they would be there from the start of their journey outside to the end of their journey anywhere from uh, typically a stay is 60 to 90 days, but you can be there shorter and that some students are there much longer. And as a field instructor, uh, leading these students through the desert, helping them with both hard skills like bowing fires or um, packing a survival pack or learning traps, as well as helping them through soft skills like written skills. What is the discipline of your family? What does your family kingdom look like? Um, my role was to just ensure that they were safe. So there was also therapists who come out to the field, but my role as a field instructor, the shift would be eight days on and six days off. Mm. And you could work doubles. <laughs> so off I chose, um, I decided once I accepted the job, it was quite an interesting interview process that I was going to live out of my car. I just didn't have the financial means to have both a car payment and a uh, rental place. And I just mm -hmm. felt like 
I need my car to get to my job, number one. And number two, if I'm going to have so many days off, I want the, uh, the access to fly somewhere or drive somewhere because that little hub of the Southwest United States is amazing. There's so yeah. much there. You're so fortunate, Katie. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the reasons I moved to Vegas was because it was accessible to to Utah, I was just in Utah a few weeks ago, um, Sedona, you know, California. I, I it, it is beautiful and there is like a healing energy to the desert. Um, I think that's that's awesome. So I guess you must have been, I'm assuming you must have been getting a lot out of this too, like just losing yourself and helping other people. Also, I mean, from the story, the th common thread I've heard in stories of people living out of their car, being homeless or something like that, um, is like they proved to themselves that they could. Like, I thought that I, like, you know, we tie our sense of security to the roof over our heads so much, but you didn't have that. And you were spending your days giving back to somebody else. Um, and then you had six days to, like, to, to be with yourself. It's not like you were totally in your work. Um, which is what I've seen a common mistake lots of other people. I don't want to call it a mistake, but a common coping mechanism that a lot of other people have done in a similar situation is dive into their work and you dove into a very good means of helping other people as well as having all this day off to all these days off to explore. So what was that like for you? <laughs> it was like a, it was a big burnout to be real honest. <laughs> Katie, it was, um, I didn't think it'd be fairies and rainbows, but you know, yeah, you know, there, uh, the healing process is work, whether you realize it or not, giving to others is work and the balance of giving to self before giving to others is, um, it's a life skill that takes a lifetime to acquire. Definitely. Maybe not though. I think some people have figured out a lot of the balance. I think we're all on our own ascension journey. So I don't want to project that it's a forever lifelong thing. I think you're just ever evolving and ascending until mm -hmm. death you part from your soul and subtle body. Mm -hmm. um, but being like, it was freeing in a way, like it was beautiful. I'm pretty good at like cutting off the working mindset um oh. so if it was six days or often i would work like doubles where i would have 12 whole days like everything is so present like i was just so present you're like dealing with everyone's emotions and your own emotions and trying to the hardest part was like you are you are understanding i am understanding that i chose to be here i chose to be in the desert i chose to heal my wound but in that i also chose to lead people through the desert to make sure that they are safe and alive and held and loved and have a sense of belonging for people who aren't seeking that, who aren't choosing that. And maybe they get there and they choose it, but these are little biddies who were like gooned in the middle of the night is the word we use. Like people, there would be literal men or women who would come to their home and bring them in the middle of their night on a plane to our place in the middle of Utah to, um, transform <laughs> like that was the program so can you just imagine as a 15 16 year old being swept from your home when you already don't feel like a lot of love or belonging or i don't know what their experiences but 
there was a lot of angst there. So just to hold space for that, it's a lot, it's a lot. And it's why this is where I did find yoga to become my serious backbone. It's probably when the seed was planted that this is what will help me transmute all of this energy that I've just held space for in the last eight to 16 to two times over the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I did triples. And that was like, after that, like, I just was like, no more. And back to that thing on the living out of your car. That's interesting that you've had more stories like that. I did give myself 90 days. I said to myself, I'm going to just do this for 90 days. And then I'm going to see a, where my finances are and a fiscal priority is. And, um, and just see how I'm really feeling and check in. And like after that 90 days uh, and just like cultivating relationship with my coworkers who were passing ships in the night and those who were with me throughout all of that time, uh, I did end up moving into an apartment for a little bit. And I also gave myself a year with that job because I knew it was going to be intense and I only made it to nine months. <laughs> and then I was just like, this is enough. No, and yeah. there's something so powerful about a timeline because it's a boundary that you're playing with. Um, similar when people set goals, like I'm going to have this done in a year. And then you learned your lesson within nine months. Like that, I think that's amazing. That's something to be celebrated. Um, without, you know, that's just my, you know, the way that I see it, it's like you learned a lesson within nine months and giving yourself that boundary 90 days, one year, what have you, like, that's when, you know, you can, you, you can work with yourself and then like the universe can play with you and be like, all right, like, this is the boundary. Like, what else are we going to throw in here? Um, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. I, I mean, not to like say that your pain was awesome, <laughs> the struggle that you, <laughs> I think that you being chosen to go through that experience for other people um to learn that way like the, the maybe the much more hard way um that some of us go through to like how to transmute your pain how to heal i know my husband is a math teacher for he's always been a math teacher for very struggling youth um currently teaches people who don't even speak english um so he's learning spanish as fast as he can <laughs> um and the majority of the students at his last um his last school were like very much below the poverty line at below the poverty line. So for him to say, you have to learn math. And they're like, I don't, I don't even care. Like I don't have space in my brain to care because of all the trauma that I'm going through right now. Like it's just, and to hold space for them and to keep them safe. Like you said, make sure that they're safe. Um, but your experience being parallel to like what a lot of teachers are going through, what I'm sure like a lot of healthcare workers are going through, but on a different, like, a different plane like you're in the desert and your your own needs you don't feel baseline super safe but the gift that you were given was being present i am assuming like you said you felt present that's amazing and super super gorgeous because that's like what what work service for others does it puts you in the present um mm -hmm. and when you i know for me little personal story i used to battle with very uh harsh anorexia and I just adopted a bunch of puppies at once. I adopted three puppies at one time. <laughs> and um, I got feedback from somebody that that was a crazy, stupid thing to do. Like, you know, you can't even take care of yourself. Why can you take care of these puppies? But there was something about a dog needing food and a walk that made me put my own bullshit aside. Like, who cares about what I'm going to eat, how many calories I've eaten that day, if 
these puppies just want love and just like want food and want to be safe, which is like similar to the kids I'm, sh I'm sure you dealt with. Like at the end of the day, they just want love. They want to be safe. Um, and they, they too want to be lost in the present, despite the fact that they were taken in the middle of the night by a stranger, you know? Yeah, this is like the message I've been getting a lot today is that all service is one, all acts of service is one, like whether you are serving only yourself, like in that act of serving self, you are serving others, as well as if you choose to serve others, like if you can zoom out and know that it is also healing self, like, yeah, it can, yeah, <laughs> cool perspective to zoom in and out of each, and you gotta have both. It can't just be an all self-serving world, but noting that no matter what, even if it was an all self-serving world, like it's still, somehow we are still serving each other with our time, our dollar, yeah. No, that's amazing, I love that because I know my family, there's a bit more of a background of um, over-serving others. My family's very charitable. They've always been members of church. Um, and then as a teenager, I took that to be the opposite and I became very self-serving for a little bit. I mean, as teenagers, you kind of like are, but I feel like I took it to an extreme of being like very, very self-serving. And then now I think there was like a humbling, as most of us had like some kind of spiritual awakening or a humbling tumble in our teenage years, adult life, where you're re reminded that there's other people in this world other than you. And if you are to dedicate yourself, like be still and dedicate the rest of your life to service of others and service of the self, um, then you will find that balance that you're seeking and you'll find that happiness, that harmony that you're seeking, which kind of brings me in my own personal story, which leads into my next question for you. Um, it brought me, that's where it brought me into yoga because yoga is service of the self and service of the others. And it is so much more, and you and I know this, and I'm not sure if everybody knows this, um, that yoga is not just the, the asana, that is the, the physical portion of it, the postures, um, what you see on Instagram, like that is, that is the asana, that is the physical, the physical practice of it, the pose, the poses. What you do in a gym class is beautiful and great and strengthening your body and your spirit, but it is one portion of it. So um, I'm interested in hearing how that story segued into your yoga journey. You said that you would start to go back into yoga after, after all this. Yeah, so the first 90 days of just like working and living out of my car and traveling all over and seeing parts of the country that I hadn't seen before. Um, every part of that is a meditation. I think that is my favorite part of yoga. Like there's so many, right. It's an eightfold path, <laughs> but the meditation part, um, as well as the philosophy of the yamas, niyamas is probably the most interesting part to me. Um, but asana has its place because once I stopped traveling around and really did settle in in this home um that's when i really started going for long bouts of like 24 days out there 16 days out there and then having long bouts with self and in that i would either spend time with friends or most of the time you would find me at one studio called be hot they had three different studios inside three different rooms inside their one studio and yoga was going all times of day <laughs> you could be there from 6 a.m to 8 p.m and there uh, would be an Utah still correct yeah okay this little town of st george highly recommend if anyone goes to st george if Bihat is still a thing 
Um, St. George is a little nice little healthy hub though. There's a lot of consciousness there. Um, so I was just there all the time because it was like, well, what else am I gonna do? You know, half my crew um, is out in the field working. So they're not around to be with me. Like the girl I shared an apartment with, we would only see each other in passing. Mm -hmm. So Unless, you, I was gonna ask if you were still living out of your car. You eventually shared an apartment with somebody and then yeah. you days off. And so I, a common thread I see in stories, I mean, the, the, the variables and the places and the people and the activities differ. But a common variable I'm seeing in these kinds of stories is that somebody, something traumatic happened to somebody and then they were pulled away from everything else. Like just the fact that you had all this time with other people serving, but also this pro, like these semi-prolonged periods of isolation. Like, I, I mean, I have a similar story myself and I'm hearing that a lot of just like you're being pulled away from the noise and literally being put into yoga. It's like you were so directed, which is, that's just, I, for me, I get excited and like a cosmic level, I get very excited to hear these kinds of stories. So, okay, so Be Hot was like your second home, essentially, maybe your third home. You had a lot of homes. <laughs> yeah, definitely my second home. Like even before I moved into that spot, like I found Be Hot. Um, I found Be Hot because I needed a shower. <laughs> like living out of your car, where do you get your hygiene at? Well, it was Planet Fitness or Be Hot Yoga Studio. <laughs> yeah. I used to be a lifeguard and a lot of people did that. <laughs> like it's, it's Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, where else are you supposed to go? And I'm happy to pay for that service. And the beauty of Be Hot over Planet Fitness is that like, you can create community there. Like the community is already created there. Like, you know, if you go to any yoga class regularly, like people gravitate towards certain teachers. So you'll start to see similar faces. Um, I didn't really get close to anybody at the studio. It just was nice to know that no one really knows my story and that I can come in here and just be, whether it's like, I just want to cry on the mat for a while, or I want to sweat to really transmute the energy or I just want to feel a group energy that also wants to be in the same container that I am of their choosing. Cause that, that was like the hardest part of holding space out there is like, you're just constantly <laughs> hitting people in a wall because I mean, it's not easy growing up. Like, yeah. Yeah. And being in a yoga class for me, I feel like a lot of the magic is, um, you have space held for you. Like you just show up and do whatever that person tells you to do. And it feels good, especially since you were like such a, such a giving position. Now someone can just tell you what to do. Um, and, and, and it's healing. It feels good. Even if there's times where it doesn't, it feels kind of like, ugh. Um, and that's something that I've missed because I actually, when I moved to Vegas, I joined a planet fitness to move my body. I wanted to get out and move my body. Um, and most yoga studios here are closed still, or they're offering only online. And um, I can tell you from experience that it's just not the same. Like I do miss that like in-person yoga class feeling um, like where everyone kind of mingles out in the, in the lobby afterwards and like makes friends and like, <sighs> I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it will come back and I don't, if there's any way like, if you do try some online, I will say this, like, 
it's not easy. It doesn't make me feel good that we are online, but I will say that having taught a regular class online um, since June with one of my studios that I teach at physically, like I'm excited to one day meet them in person because it's like, all right, it's the same seven, 10, 11 people. Like, yeah, even though you can't really feel it and there's no communion, like, you I feel from a teacher's perspective that there is something there like they are all showing up in in group energy for each other and um yeah it'll just be a nice place so that way okay maybe if I like the vibe of someone here then we can meet in person but to each their own man like I also get the zoom burnout like yeah. <laughs> I don't take zoom classes unless I'm like all right I'm really feeling it like I'm like, give me that live energy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, internet, it's not the same. I know that from experience because um, I used to do yoga purely online until I got certified. And then that's when I started doing in-person classes, mostly. Like I was too afraid to show up to online, uh, to, like in-person yoga classes, did a bunch online, eventually somehow uh, started to gather the, the, the courage to get certified. And then those were like my first live yoga classes. Um, so, but that being said, energy is transmuted through the internet space. Like, cause I, I mean, I'm an online entrepreneur and I know you are too. Um, I've made so many internet friends <laughs> and then just like that excitement of like getting to meet, to meet, see them in person. And just like, it amplifies everything that already is. But like the fact that you are taking it seriously, you are showing up um, through zoom to teach these people, even though like it's despite the fact that it's like not safe to teach in person, like you're still holding that space for people and, giving people something somewhere to, like turning their homes into a yoga studio which if you really think about it that's pretty beautiful like um because i used to get i was really frustrated at first because my home didn't feel like a sanctuary i wanted to go to someone else's sanctuary but then i had to force myself to think about how can i make my home more safe more beautiful um like this room for example that i'm in right now used to just be like blank the the, the, the junk room where everyone kind of kept their stuff but then, um, you know, I, I was forced to transport this into something beautiful, which is a theme <laughs> that I think we're touching on here is like the junk room gets to be transmuted into something beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so you, so how did you start your yoga journey into like teaching it? Like I know that you started, you did Kundalini, I think was one of your first certifications. And then from then on now, I know that you teach all different types of yoga. So um, what was your personal like education and teaching journey? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was my teaching journey? Eventually I ended up back in, uh, the Virginia area. I moved here for love. It's the <laughs> Virginia is for lovers. That was like, I got married did you meet him? Your, your husband, did you meet him in Utah or in Virginia? Yeah, so my journey, um, like chronologically, <laughs> there was like a, a, a little bit of time, but a lot of experience yeah. in between uh, my time in Utah and like my journey to becoming a teacher. Like my time in Utah was 2015 and I started in August and I ended in February of um 2016 just feeling like a fiscally I'm not making ends meet b I am seriously burnt out and um 
see, it's just time to move on. And I wanted to pay off debt and I wanted to make some money. So I applied to be a conductor on the railroad in Montana. Oh, cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and that was like a really big leap of faith. Um, I quit my job in the desert before I even went to the interview. That's how confident I was that I would get it. So I drove up there on a hope and a prayer that I would receive a yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I did, and it was a, it was a really great experience. Um, I I don't have a long-term vision. I'm just now starting to have more long-term vision, long-term goals um, as I continue to settle into myself. Like I'm only 30. So like 2015, I was 25. Like I'm still learning who I am <laughs> and what feels right for my heart. Um, so being on the railroad, my time there was short, but it was well, well spent. It taught me so much. And I knew that I would be furloughed almost two weeks into uh, accepting the job and starting training. You have 90 days of uh, conductor school. I was working with the BNSF, Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, the Northern Line um, in the highlands of Montana. And so you have 90 days to train. And in that 90 days, you could be fired because you are getting paid um, where you could just decide it's not for you and leave. So, and at the end of the 90 days, you take all of your exams and even then you have to pass and then they have to like say, yes, you're qualified to be a conductor. Uh -huh. So I went through that whole process uh, knowing that I wouldn't be able to mark up to the boards. I wouldn't be able to post a job. They wouldn't, I wouldn't actually like have a job to go to. So they furloughed us right at, right as we graduated. <laughs> what did they furloughed you for? Well, they furloughed the whole class because they, there weren't enough jobs available. Like that line um, is in the Balkan. So they were hauling freight. I was a freight conductor and the price of oil was dropping we weren't using our own resources so i mean the jobs available were limited so they furloughed me without like any concrete time of when they will call you back because that's how it works right and so in that time i i had paid off a lot of debt and saved off enough saved enough money to uh take some time off from working. And before I ever moved to Utah, I was I was living in DC for a little bit and I had joined this backpacking group so that I could qualify to get the job oh, uh, in Utah. Cool, okay. Yeah, so I had been in this backpacking group in DC to get this job in Utah. So I had made this community with this backpacking group and they were through a meetup group and they go all over the United States and uh, the world. So I just kept tabs as I was out in Montana because it's really close to Tetons and Yellowstone and um, so many parks and like Grand Canyon, everything was there. Yeah. So right when I was getting furloughed, I noticed that they were having uh, this DCUL backpacking, DC ultralight backpacking. They were having a trip in Yellowstone and the Tetons, and it was led by Jimmy, who eventually became my husband. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> I got so wrapped up in the story. Like, I thought that story was so beautiful that I forgot that I even asked you about Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Really quick, because I have to ask, 
did you, what was, um, I know that you, you were um, like a railroad conductor in training for what might feel like a very short time. What was it like? Like, did you like it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I think I would have really thrived in that job for a little bit of time. I probably would have set a deadline uh, toward the end of the training when I knew like, all right, I'm pretty sure like I had confidence in my ability to pass the exams. Um, I thought I'll probably give myself two years. My favorite part of it was all of the logistical thinking. It was such a masculine, it's such a masculine industry. Um, so it really made me tap into that part of me because like, well, you, I'm sure you can hear in my voice or see on my face. Like I am so like bright, like light, like encompassing, warming, like uplifting, encouraging. That, that nice old lady who I would always tell my feelings to after a yoga class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I am on the radio, like with a lot of cheer in my voice. Yeah. And sometimes like I would be talking on the, I remember one time I was talking on the radio because you're talking to dispatchers who are all the way in Texas. Like everything is a really wide network. So you just have to be very professional. There's scripts to follow everything. And so I was still following the scripts, but I was adding like personality. And like at the end, I giggled a little bit. I was getting off that radio call and my uh, co-conductor, he was like, there's no laughing on the radio. <laughs> there's no, there's no laughing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and just really also owning my mistakes in front of, um, in front of some who don't know how to hold space for people who are making mistakes. Um, some of the conductors and engineers are really great at that. Their papas, their grandpas, like they were really great. And some of them, I was just like, I'm not gonna get any hugs for these tears. And I didn't cry often. I can really only remember two times um, when I really messed up where like one, one time um, you have to get a clearance if you're, so I worked many different areas of the train but in one week I spent my time at a at a yard a working yard where you like create trains and stuff so you're on the ground a lot you're not riding the train and I remember trying to make a shift and you have to get clearance from the engineer on the radio before you go in so that they know that so that you don't lose your life because if they don't know that you're between the train and they start the train like you're just you're gone yeah and i remember i had cleared myself to leave the area like i got off after completing my task and then i noticed that i left something and so i started to go back in there and right as i went back in there my co you always have a co-conductor who's there training you watching you to make sure you're safe and doing everything right i don't even remember what was said but I must have went in and then came back out and he just looked at me and he was like, do you know what you just did? Oh man. <laughs> and I was like, I knew immediately. I was like, that could have been my life. Mm -hmm. This could have been my life. Yeah. And I'm and so grateful that it wasn't. <laughs> I was grateful that it wasn't. And I was also like disappointed in myself that like, shit, I knew what to do and I didn't do it.
And I also had like this great figure that I was like, you know, you're a student, you want to not only impress self, but you are trying to impress teacher. Like that's the beauty of being a student is that there's someone there holding you accountable to your own ascension, to your own leveling up, to your own acquisition of knowledge. And so I just felt really disappointed. And I remember the whole ride back to the shipyard like you're on the back of the train conducting the engineer with hand signals or the radio i couldn't use my voice i just was tears were just sobbing so i was just holding on to the back of the train using my hand with tears just running <laughs> and no one is going to hold me you know and but it was really beautiful to just tap into my own strength and my own embodiment of my emotion and to hold strong that, yeah, I made a mistake, but I'm going to come out here and I'm going to rock it next time. And the mistake was never made again. But I mean, I could have easily been fired for that too. So I just really honor that mentor for um, holding, holding the truth, holding the mirror up. Like, yeah, just only saying what I'm not going to let you mess up. <laughs> yeah. No. And I mean, like, there's something to be said because I've worked jobs where they were very hard on me and I've cried in the back room. Like, but in this like small stern way of like, do you know what you just did and why that was a mistake? Um, and there's like definitely a balance there between like, I mean, there's a very common story of like women in male led industries where they just like are not welcome. The past two uh, podcasts, I think I um, Jackie Lee in a, in a Jackie Bell, I'm sorry, Jackie Bell in a former episode said that her uh, boss asked her to stop wearing makeup to work. Um, and um, Jacqueline Holmes in the last episode that I recorded, um, she was just constantly being told that she was too intimidating just by being herself. So like, it's just like women are not always welcome in these male led industries, but there's also something to be said about that masculine, like having that masculine so that your feminine can thrive and having like feeling safe. And I can definitely say that I've had bosses and mentors who have, made me cry by saying, do you know what you just did? Or like, you know, something very small, like we're not gonna do that again, okay? And like, I just cry, but there's like a, sh a shedding of layers and like, um, just like a, a growing here, like that that's so transformational. Um, so I love that that story speaks to that. Um, so from, yeah, yeah sorry, go ahead. <laughs> And I just want to like, I definitely felt welcomed on my time as a conductor. Like, although I was one of seven like women out there, the women who I did work with were always so helpful. And the majority of men I worked with were always so helpful. Like, I think it's, I can't speak to everyone's experience, but I really only had one encounter where I was like, this guy is just talking shit about me like for I don't know what I don't know why I trigger him but other than that I would say overwhelmingly like the way I approached it is that all of these homies are my mentors and there's really only one out of let's say a hundred mentors I mean you're always on a different train you don't work with the same people um that really wasn't in the right coming from love and their mentorship <laughs> yeah yeah so okay so you're now you're in you're back in virginia with jimmy so now i'm in virginia again yeah with with jimmy your husband um and then um this is where you begin teaching correct in virginia yeah. or before okay 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 yeah so i 
had some time in Bozeman. We were dating long distance. Um, I was doing a little yoga there. And then I decided to make the move to be with Jimmy. It was either like, I'm gonna choose a new career here in Bozeman or I'm gonna move to Virginia for love. Um, and that's what I did. And when I moved to Virginia for love, like I never thought that I would come back to this area. Um, the vibe wasn't for me. It's any city I think is hard. <laughs> I'm a country yeah. girl through and through. <laughs> Um, I think it's just like hustling in the streets, Katie. It's like, it takes a penny to be here and it takes a lot of work to be here. Life is work. It's just a, to, in my eyes at that point in time, it was a projection of a different type of work. So I was just doing anything I could. I was like babysitting again. I was working at Trader Joe's and I just came back to my backbone and that's when I found Radiance in Old Town. Um, and a teacher saw me and she just said, if you'd be interested in teacher training, I think you'd be a great fit. And I heard this message and I didn't know how to make it happen. But the fact that I made it happen um, and that once I decided that this is what I'm going to do, that everything has continued to fall in place. Like, has it all been graceful? No way. But has it been so worth it? Yes. Yeah, like and, my teacher training was not graceful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been through like two different teacher trainings and it's all work. Like even if you, I highly recommend going to teacher training, anyone who is listening, like even if you don't want to be a teacher, it'll teach you a lot about yourself. Oh my gosh, yeah, because I can remember when I started my teacher training in DC, um, the first weekend there was like an opening circle where we all kind of circled up and the um the instructor asked us what are you like why are you here and i my i don't think i said this but my intention was like i want to make money i want to be a yoga teacher i want to make money like i want to stop working i want to work in an office less i want to work i don't know like i also just feel like this would be something i'm good at like very millennial capitalist like in like your your money making is your worth kind of dc mentality i was also the youngest one there um <clears throat> everyone else was like in their mid thirties, forties, maybe, um, uh, or late twenties at least. And I was like in my mid twenties at the time. Um, and I was like, I just want to make money. I want to make a profit. I want to pay off this credit card. Like that's it. <laughs> um, but everyone else, like all, there was lots of moms in that group. There was lots of like, you know, people with older children, younger children. And they, a lot of them said, I just want to be a better person. I want to do something for me. I want to learn. I want to connect. I want to make friends and I want to, like share and just like peel back layers and i thought it was just like so incredibly profound i was like holy moly like wow um okay <laughs> that's great um love yeah. it. it was so humbling for me and like that's what i got out of it more than anything else like more than anything else was i got the up leveling of the self like for like you will not go out of teacher training without being a like reborn person unless you resist it the entire time like unless you're actively resisting that change you know, <laughs> then yeah. Yeah, it's just something to notice. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I would teach. Um, like I started yoga teacher training as a grocer at Trader Joe's and like going through that training, I, it was Kundalini yoga teacher training was my first uh, 200 hour. 
I took it because someone saw something in me that I didn't see and I noticed that like all right I keep coming to yoga classes and I like to try all these different yoga classes why don't I dive deeper like there's obviously a lot more here I didn't know anything about the sutras I didn't know anything about like the eightfold path I didn't know anything about Sanskrit or Gurmukhi like I didn't know anything <laughs> like I just knew that I like to come to class <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so that it was like school for me it was really cool to learn to learn and to be in community. I too was the youngest one in my teacher training. Everyone was over 40. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was cool to be held in that manner too and to work with, um, uh, I mean, a lineage that has a guru. Like, I don't know how anyone feels about gurus. I like, I think it's like you, everyone is their own guru, but like coming from the Piscean age and like, being deep in these practices like that was cool to me to just have a deeper perspective from someone who had been on a devoted path for so many years because I think um and I just like honor anyone who commits to any path whether it's yeah like, I agree religion or discipline or exercise like if you are in it for the long run bless you bays so yeah I think also for me, when I was in the, the, like, there's like that humbling aspect of like, oh, there's so much that goes to this and it's not as easy as it looks. Um, it's very challenging emotionally too. Like I definitely remember at one point in my yoga teacher training, there was a level where they were tapping into pieces of my heart and soul that I was not ready for. I was like, I thought we were just going to be working out, like not uncovering our childhood traumas or something. Um, but just like breathe into that and like allow that. And also a lot of the things about yoga, I kind of didn't really know, or I kind of resisted. Like for example, the, the mantras, the mudras, um, which is like the, the hand gestures that you might see people doing, like um, prayer hands is like the most common one, or like um, index finger on thumb, like just those, those kind of common little mudras that you see. Um, I had no idea what those were. I thought that people just did them because they felt cool doing it. Um, but then learning in yoga teacher training, there actually is an intention. And once somebody bothered to explain that to me, instead of being like, okay, now say this thing because it's what we do. I was so invested. I was like, this is a healing technology that is, that has come way, way, way before us. Like we are, I felt so humbled to be included in this technology um, that like heals people, transforms lives. It's not just, um, you know, the physical. Cause I thought we were just gonna work out a bunch and then learn how to teach a class. Cause like, essentially that's like a, like a college class like internships that I've done is like, we're going to go through the physical portion of it, like the technical, like, you know, we're going to be, like I, I call it moving matter. Like we're going to be moving matter. We're going to be moving things around. Things are going to change. And then I'm going to teach you how to do it so that you can go do it and make money doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, that's what I thought that yoga teacher training was going to be. And I'm sure that is for some people. And I'm sure that's all that some people want, but essentially I was given a ton of tools. Like these are all the tools. All right go be a person in the world with these new tools. And there was definitely a period where I didn't even want to teach because I, I felt like I just wasn't ready. I was so cracked open and so curious. Like I felt like I needed to take another 200. Um, but eventually I, I learned by doing because I mean, every 200 hour program is different, but I learned by doing, by teaching, getting feedback, getting harsh feedback, getting nice feedback, um, having students love my class, having students hate my class. Like, 
teaching at different studios. I think at this point in my life, I've probably taught at five or six different studios, <laughs> like just so much bouncing around. Um, that's how I learned. Um, so I love that you are so adamant and you hold so much space in your practice because I've taken your classes before. Um, hold so much space for the, like the healing tools rather than the physical asana only. Um, and even like, for example, in your booty yoga class, like that can just be fun, like purely, purely fun. Like for those of you who are unfamiliar with booty yoga, um, it is very high intensity, very fun. There's a lot of vibrating, shaking, spiraling. And for some people that is like hard work. Like it is, for me, I've taken classes where it felt like hard spiritual work. I remember one of your booty classes I took, um, you know, you were, you were laughing and giggling and like having a great time. And I was like very, very focused and I was very quiet, which is not like me. I'm usually very, very loud, but I was very focused and I was like focusing on like the energetic work that was moving. I was like, I feel like my body is doing something different because laughter and movement and high intensity is healing. And then there was another booty class of yours that I took where I was just having fun the whole time. And I was just letting it be healing. I was, I think the lights were dim. It was like dark outside. And I was like, nobody can see me. So I'm just going to be like laughing and smiling the whole time. <laughs> um, and that is healing for so many people. And then it can also be nitty gritty. Um, so, I mean, that being said, like, I just love that about your class. It's like you hold the space for the healing. You don't bypass any portion of yoga. It's not just yoga to you. It's like so much because I think, especially now knowing more about what you've been through, like that is so much. So I think that's super, super cool. <laughs> Katie, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talking. Yoga is really cool. I mean, yeah, you can't deny like the physical body. The physical body is our teacher, it is our balance. Like it is a direct reflector of what is happening inside. And you can really use your body to experience what's happening inside, which I think is like um, akin to what you were saying about your experience in the booty classes. I'm glad that <laughs> you were able. That's my favorite part is just to get lost. I've like recently. I was very lost. <laughs> yeah, just shift into like, all right, we're in the present moment. Like, how can we just journey and experience self? That's, um, yeah, it's definitely why I chose to like keep going with Kundalini because everything is like timed, like you're moving for three minutes, like it gives you a chance to go deeper physically, as well as to get lost and notice like what's happening in your brain. Mm -hmm. I think if you can even just commit to breath or movement for three minutes without any distraction and just notice what distractions are yeah. around, like that is, um, that's my favorite part of, the yoga experience no definitely because i took your kundalini class like two falls ago and that was when i was teaching a lot of booty and and i was living in adams morgan in the city and my life was was so tra like transitional like and booty is very much about the transitions it's like move 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 and so i remember taking your kundalini class because evan was very i was interested of course and evan was very interested my husband evan um and i remember I, I started filming it because like as a yoga teacher, you want to like film yourself and like you want to promote other people and it's like so fun and cute and like social media and like we and like all the things. But I was filming myself during your, your Kundalini class. At the end of it, I just start crying. I start crying like 
because I, I I mean, I'm interested in it. I want you to explain a little bit like what is a Kundalini class? Because I had no, I actually genuinely had no idea what a Kundalini class was. I've heard about it and I've heard people compare, like I've heard people talk about the spiraling in Kundalini, like yoga, where you're like literally physically spiraling your body. I've heard about the mantras. I've heard people wear turbans. Like I just had no clue. Um, So I just went in with like, this is fun. My friends are here. And then I ended up feeling like, the word that I can use to explain it is like Pandora's box. Like there was a Pandora's box at the end where I was like so uncomfortable. And then I just started crying. And then after that, I remember like everybody was gathering around eating snacks and like talking. And I was like, I need to like go home and, and process what just happened. But then always on the other end of this, there's like, there's something liberating. And I've heard people feel that way about like my booty classes before where I'm like, wow, that booty class was so fun. And people are like, I need to go home and cry for a little bit. And I totally hold space for that. And I know that you do too. So um, for somebody who doesn't even know what the heck a, a Kundalini class is, which was me two years ago, for sure. Um, what would you, how would you describe a Kundalini class? And how is it different from like a traditional vinyasa hatha class? Yeah. Uh... Well, kundalini yoga is working with your kundalini energy, which is subtle energy uh, living at the root of your spine. Kundalini is like uh, your creativity, your infinite potential. So kundalini yoga, we often it's referred to as yoga of awareness. Um, some kundalini classes use kriya, where there's like kriyas for specific desired outcomes. That's like mantras, um, right? Or like protocols, so I think. Like yeah, Kriya is like a prescribed sequence of uh, movement or asana, breath work, mudra, and um, mantra. Yeah, as well as built-in relaxation. So some use that, some just use meditation. It is trying to connect uh, all energies. It really focuses on nervous system, the subtle energies. How is it different from a Hatha Vinyasa class? In that, if you're expecting to move, like a Hatha Vinyasa is connecting breath to movement and kind of having this flowing or stillness in one posture where most of Kundalini classes, you're, you're moving for X amount of minutes or holding something for X amount of minutes. So you are connecting breath to movement, but you're not like switching the posture up. It's not like a flow where you're like up and then you're down and then you're in warrior and like the postures don't necessarily like link together. Um, And I remember for me, the hardest part was holding still and doing something for so long. And Evan, my husband, he's like earth energy to the max. And he loved it. He loved that. He still talks about it today. Like, he's like, I just remember like we just chanted for two minutes or we held pigeon and like that was it and we got to just be and I remember just like fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and like it was the medicine the medicine that I needed um so yeah it's like it's like a little I don't want to say it's different but it's not what like western uh yoga society knows a lot about or like what you would expect so like if someone's like all right I'll go to a kundalini class expecting it to be like this sweat session where they get to show off how cool their warrior three is like that's not what this is like this is yeah because that's kind of what i was expecting (laughs) no no warrior three and sometimes you might sweat i I, kundalini the cool thing apart about it is every class is different every every teacher is different everyone has a different approach to it um 
yet. <laughs> but it's definitely not Warrior Three to Tree. That's definitely not the practice. Not the place to show off. It was like I don't know. And it, it called me out personally that I was like ready to. Like I'm realizing now that I was like I was so ready to show off because I was like working out a lot and like I was feeling happy about my body and like. I just got my hair done. You know, it's like you expect these opportunities to like show off and like stunt. Like I was filming myself and then I just sat and cried. We were like sitting at the end chanting and I cried. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a pretty intimate practice with self. Um, it's a very intimate practice with self because it forces you to be the observer. It forces you to be the witness. And I think um, it wouldn't have been as transformational if I had done it alone. Because at that time, I was doing a lot of healing practices alone. I was doing breath work. I was doing journaling. I was doing meditation, that kind of stuff alone. But the fact that it was around so many other people, not that many, but like, you know, like a small handful of people, I remember feeling like shame, like shame, shame, shame was coming up. Like, and that was exactly the emotion I needed to feel. I don't know if you remember this, but when you were teaching it, my dogs were in the backyard <laughs> and they started, they started barking during your class. And I don't think anybody else really cared, but I remember feeling so much shame. Like, oh my gosh, my dogs are barking. Like I'm such a bad person. Like I'm crying. And then like all these tears came out. And the thing about, it's like, like when I think about crying, like the energetic purge of crying, I think about like, <laughs> this is maybe a weird example, but this is like the best explanation I can have for it so far is like, if you take uh, you eat poison. You literally have eaten poison at some point in your life energetically. And then someone gives you uh, like an anti-poison, whatever the word is, like uh, something that encourages you to throw up. Like, okay, you had some poison. I'm going to give you this medicine to encourage you to throw up. I'm going to pump your stomach, whatever. And then you start throwing up naturally. And then you're like ashamed and you're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. Like I shouldn't be throwing up. Like, no, you need to get this poison out. There's poison in you. And even calling it poison, it might be like a strong analogy, but like there's something in you that is not serving you. And it's interesting that you brought up the aspect of the body because now that I'm getting more into the mindset, I used to be very, very in the physical and now I'm getting very into the spiritual. I'm taking a pause. I'm like so much physical to get into the spiritual. Um, and I'm finding, I'm meeting a lot of people who think that the physical aspect is not important when it comes to your spiritual journey. That as long as your mindset is on point, as long as you're meditating, as long as you're whatever, you can do and eat whatever you want. You can kind of sit all day, eat whatever you want. But what I'm finding is that when my mindset, uh, when I'm, I'm really putting a lot of work into my mindset and my spirituality, my body is like, please take me with you. Like I need to ascend with you and you are not giving me what I need right now. So I naturally tend to find myself craving fresh fruits and vegetables, craving more water. And like, I start to feel like I just cannot deal with junk food. Coffee is the most recent thing that my body was like, just give us a break. Like you don't need to cut coffee, but just like, give me a break, please. Um, and that's so fascinating. And I, I resist it. Cause I'm like, Oh, like this is not my goal. And my goal isn't to have a six pack. My goal is to transcend, <laughs> but like you need to have your body to come with you. And then my relationship with Evan will be like, we need to have a talk. We need to transcend us together and then my business will start crying like my business will like a baby it'll start crying it'll spit up on me it'll you know it'll throw a tantrum my business wants to transcend with me um the, my relationships the way i view myself and like um that was that portal was not open to me until i started practicing yoga i didn't realize that everything was all tied together um which is why i'm like so excited that you're here talking about all this because it's like you're, you're, you're getting to like the, you're, you're, you're tying everything in to the portion of like, be your own muse. Like you are the one who starts all of this journey. 
Um, I just went on a passionate rant there, but. <laughs> but Katie, no, these reflections are amazing. Like this is the awareness of noticing, oh, listen, look at these messages coming in. Like your physical body is the conduit for your consciousness. There is no mistake as to why that message came into your brain of like, hey, what about this or what about that? And also just noticing that sometimes there are resistance to that message and also knowing that you're not going to get every single message. I mean, think about when you sit still and just close your eyes. It might be hard to sit still, but if you've practiced long enough, like there's 5 million thoughts going through your head right now. Even when you talk to me or listening, processing, like there's so many things. So I think whatever message you hear source and self speaking, that's cool. That's awareness. And that is where like, that's the yoga. <laughs> that's the yoga is just noticing self in relation to all. And I think the, the concept of be your own muse came to me when I was practicing a lot of yoga because I was expecting to be saved. I was expecting to be abducted by aliens or like, you know, a thunderbolt of lightning come down and tell me what to do. Send the Vegas baby. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I would, or like, I, I don't know, like I, especially living in DC, I could literally see, look out my window and see people on their way to work. And I just thought that they all had it figured out and that I didn't. Um, and it wasn't until I started to consistently practice yoga that in these moments of like unleashing the process and like letting myself be myself and letting my body move how she wanted to move, that's when the guidance would come through. It never came through with, with the journaling for me at first. I would try to journal and it'd be like, oh, this is so boring. Like I'm just doodling at this point. <laughs> like, um, and I think doodling is very sacred as well, but it wasn't until these moments of, of yoga that my body would give me these intuitive hits. I remember I was in Savasana in my first live booty class and my body, it came from my body. It wasn't my head. It wasn't a lightning bolt. It wasn't aliens. It was my body distinctly saying, um, you've been doing great. Now it's time to do more. You need to start your own business and you need to start putting a lot of love and attention into that. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but you need to do it. And I was like, Whoa, mama, like, I don't, I don't, you know, that was like all within my body. Um, and I, I think the physical portion, I just, I would invite anybody who feels like they're stuck to start moving their body in any way that feels good for them. Like yoga is taking a walk, like yoga is playing in the park. Yoga is sitting and, and chanting or, or having mantras and amazing yoga teachers like Genevieve, like you are giving people the space to do so. But I know that you wouldn't be offended if someone went to your, you know, booty class and did something else that made them feel guided. Like if they weren't like, I'm not going to do this distinct thing. I'm going to do this other thing. Like I know Evan does that so much <laughs> in yoga classes. He will do something different than what the teacher tells him to do. And it used to piss me off. I was like, oh my God, you're being a bad student. Like, oh my God. And if, and I've actually had people in my classes do that when I taught, they would do something different and like semi-different, not crazy different, but like something semi-different. Like if we were up in warrior two, they'd kind of like be down on a lunge or something. And I would be like, it would fuck with my ego so much. And it, that's what I'm saying. Like all this is like, so touch healing technology for the teacher and the student. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. This is something that I hear a lot. People get triggered by other people doing their own journey inside the classroom. <laughs> I love it. I, I enjoy it. Like I say it's each their own. I hope more people do that. Like I, 
because the we are all here as a collective yes on our own journey like there's no reason to be triggered by others you have no idea what's going on for them and to like to each their own like they're keeping you safe they're holding the space and they're also moving through their own energy and i also i love all of your reflections about um coming into your own muse and finding your vision for your business and your success and your abundance in silence because like yes yoga is found in walking and biking and all of that but the union aspect of yoga the yoking aspect is in the silence like getting your feet on the ground to let let everything from the top come down into the root or vice versa um sometimes there's definitely bodies who are like they just feel so comfortable that they haven't really moved their energy from this low area into their heart and into their voice to see what's happening inside their head um yeah yeah i definitely feel you on like i'm definitely always in here in my head and so to put my feet on the ground and to have a chance to be really quiet and just let that move the thoughts move from my head down through my third eye throat heart like is it really me by the time it gets to my diaphragm oh yeah because yeah that's fascinating i and i know you are a very energetic person so maybe you can speak to this but i remember one time somebody asked me how how do i have so much energy um the answer to that was i was on the cusp of burnout so there's that but at the time i remember thinking like i don't know i put my feet on the ground and the earth gives it to me like i don't know like that was just like such a thought that i was like that i had i was like i don't know just ask for it ask for the energy and you'll get it um and then transmute thoughts of like you're not worthy or like who am i to blah 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 like i know in my friends in dc my non-yogi friends um battle with that feeling of like who am i to do all these things and i just need to like get through the day drink some wine and watch the bachelorette and like that's it like who am i to do anything more for myself Mm -hmm. kind of ties back into what you're saying like the service of yourself is the service of others um which I think is just fascinating. Um, so, okay. So I wanted to know a little bit more if you are down to talk about your, your journey as a yoga teacher, like, okay, so here you are Kundalini certified, like also like 200 hour complete done moving into like the student to the teacher, um, that, that aspect of your journey. Mm-hmm. So Yes, my first 200 hour ran from like, I think it was August of 2017 to March of 2018. And in that time, like, of learning, I also went from working at Trader Joe's to managing a juice bar. Um, I just gained so much clarity and confidence from being in the classroom and being still with self and using the tools that I was acquiring um, that I just felt like there's definitely more for me. Um, And I I did want to lead. I did want to see what it was like to uh, run a business and to gain that experience. So I wanted to do it in a conscious environment. So I just decided to put myself out there and this juice bar came back. And 
uh, I got that job and then graduated the teacher training and immediately I was asked to sub a class. <laughs> so I always say yes, if the invite is there and it feels aligned and like I just did this teacher training. So that was a really big sign from source that you're still on the path. Mm -hmm. um, there is this there are like five different pods. I couldn't name all of them, but if you go into yoga philosophy and look at what happens through the student's journey, there's this part in the student's journey called Shakti pod, or you're moving towards Sahaj pod. And it's this point in this student's journey where you're questioning everything. Is this practice really for me? Am I really dedicated to what I am doing? Are there still doubts? Um, all of this questioning comes up. And that's that part in your journey where it's like, all right, I'm going to keep on this path, or it's time to switch it up and be a student of a different path. Mm -hmm. And um, now I feel like I, I yoga is <laughs> yoga is the path. But at that point, I was like, gosh, thank God source gave me these substitute classes so that I could really get a feel because I graduated not being determined to be a teacher. Like I just wanted to ace something I wanted to feel accomplished. That's for sure. It's I, I wanted to be great, a great teacher for my exams. But beyond that, I was like, if teaching comes cool yeah. um so it just kept coming like i wanted to learn more that was after that i was managing and then in that fall of 2018 i found gretchen and booty yoga which is where i met you at um man looney yoga tribe now it's going to be the yoga experience shout out to everyone in northern virginia yeah. <laughs> check out it <laughs> Um, earlier about like Luna Yoga Tribe, I was like, oh man, like my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gretchen, sweet love. She, just all these mamas who inspire me. So she like, there was something in her that I was like, oh, I want to gain that. So I thought I needed to take a training and I'm thankful for the training. So I took another 200 hour because I also like I saw that other women who I aspired to be like were seeing some seeing my potential. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, all right, let's tap into this. So I thought maybe this teaching thing could really take off. But I knew that not a lot of studios are like into Kundalini. So I needed to take something like mm -hmm. all these studios in DC are Vinyasa Hatha Definitely. or Bikram. And I wasn't a fan of Bikram yet. So um, booty it was with the 200 hour and it just like from there i met this connection with angelica who had the connection with yoga factory and like she just recognized me at the juice bar and cool um yeah and she told her the studio owner about me and he came into the juice bar and like i was like hey i hear that you're doing this we're looking for other teachers if you wanted to like please come out. And so bless up to Angelica for getting me that little interview. And it all went from there. Like I got onto that schedule with booty. I subbed for them for two months. Um, and then they were like, do you want them to do more classes? And so I was doing more classes right into 2019. This is so crazy how quick the timeline is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and at the time, I feel like it's taking forever, but in retrospect, you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then I went full time. Like, then I just, like, 
in my teaching and in my everything I was transmuting as being a manager, like I was just noticing that, like, I just don't know if like, this is, this is not for me. I wanted to acquire these skills, but this is not, this is not my journey. Like I am not the best manager. (laughs) Similar with um, your experience in Utah, like you learn quickly. And then, cause I can, I can tell you jobs that I've had for two months because I surrendered. I said, this is where I am. I learned my lesson and then I bounced. Like, that's it. And like, that's also what it sounded like your management experience at the juice laundry helped you with. Like you learned so quickly. You were exactly where you needed to be in a place where you felt safe and connected. I mean, like you met the owner of yoga factory mm-hmm. at the juice laundry. Like it was right down the street. So that's, that's just like, uh, speaks to the example of surrendering, letting things be crazy and then transition and then things will make sense and then you'll they'll make sense and then you'll say "Mm, i want a little bit more maybe like can i like can i do this other thing and then things will be in transition again like while like the universe is waiting to catch up with you like you're moving so quickly let everyone else catch up to you and then i can say that um i was looking for more teaching experience at that time and you said that the dc area was looking for more booty yoga instructors booty yoga was something i was happy to teach um i went in auditioned got the job and then actually, I, I actually used to commute. I know that you commuted really far for it. Well, not really far, but like you've commuted a little bit. Um, I took the Metro. It was a 40 minute trip to get to Yoga Factory because I wanted to be there so bad. And when I was like on the wharf, which is for those of you who are, are or not familiar, is the Southwest area of DC. It's like right on the water. It's like just this beautiful area. And I was living in Adams Morgan at the time, which was like very city, very like bars and restaurants, like felt more of like a inner city kind of college vibe. Um, I got to the wharf and I knew that like, that's where I was meant to be. I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Like, thank you to Genevieve for connecting me here. Like, you know, just thanks for everybody who pulled this together. And then I ended up moving right there, walking distance to the yoga factory because it was like, I was meant to be. And you actually said that you were like, oh wow, you were meant to be here. Um, and the way that I moved there wasn't because I was like, I'm going to move to be right next to the yoga factory. It was like, I just had, I just had this opening in my mind. Like I'm open to where I'm ready to move next. And, um, my husband and I actually went on a date at the wharf because it was like such a beautiful area. And then I realized like, wait a minute, this is the, the apartment that we're going to move into. It's right here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and it was, I got to walk to work for a little bit. So that was, that was really, really fun. So it's just like this yoga is like a conduit, like opens up this portal for things to just happen quickly and to meet interesting people. Um, and yeah. And I think like even beyond the yoga, just like once you decide, like you'll notice everything begins to align to get you to be there. Even if it's like not the end result, like if you can just be open to the journey and the process, like source always provides like Definitely. even in ending relationships and finding the next relationship like I, be there. <laughs> I, can, I can say um that sometimes you're given the stick or the carrot by source all the time because um i was too scared to move to southwest that, that, that area where the that i just said that was perfect and aligned and juicy i didn't know that um i was scared so our apartment got a nasty, nasty cockroach problem. It was the worst I've ever seen it. Like, 
it was terrible. You turn on the lights in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and cockroaches scatter everywhere. Like it was, it was out of nowhere and it was very intense. Um, there were no signs of that being a problem at the beginning of us living there. Um, and so that's, I, I took it as a sign, like, let's get out of here. Like, let's go somewhere else. There's something else waiting for us. And where we lived in Southwest had pest control included in the rent. So that, so we didn't see a cockroach after that. <laughs> um, but I, and I also asked, um, asked for a t yoga teaching gig that was closer. That was something that I wanted. Um, and I got it. So I just had to go through a little bit of roaches to get there. <laughs> um, it's, I love that what you said about if it's a line and it presents itself, you say yes, like period. That is when people talk I mean, on, on this podcast, I've talked about the law of attraction and manifestation here and there. And the hardest quote unquote portion of the law of attraction is the aligned action. It's not going to fall into your lap, but you take action and it shows up for you. That means that once you put an intention out there, I see this as my job. I put an intention out there. That means when you are open and you're like, okay, I'm, I have an intention. I want this thing. And the opportunity presents itself and you can kind of see how you can make it work, but there's like gaps in there. Like this is exactly what you did with like your yoga teaching journey and all the things like your community, your work, like your essence, like if an opportunity presents itself to you, like you absolutely have to say yes. And like you and I can both speak to the fact like that's how businesses are built. That's how experiences are made. Nobody has it figured out at first. Um, I don't know. That's just like a misconception about the law of attraction. A lot of things will show up in your room uh, <laughs> because you dreamed about it. Um, but I love that your story speaks to like, you know, like Jim Carrey's movie, Yes Man, like just say yes. Um, there's also times where you're supposed to say no, but that's a whole other topic. Like definitely saying no is, is on there. Um, have boundaries, but anyway, that is neither here nor there. <laughs> that is a whole other, a whole other thing. Um, that's cool. So what do you currently do now? Like what do you currently teach now and where can people find you? Where can people find me? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> On my website, GenevieveGen.com. I teach group classes at only one studio now. It's called Radiance and I teach for them outdoors, a movement and meditation class that is like rooted in traditional lineages such as Hatha and Kundalini. It definitely has breath work and meditation. And then I teach for them online a flow class. And then I have different workshops with them every so often. My big thing, that's in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia. They also yeah. offer classes online if you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> online if you want my vibe. There's drop-ins and I've done some recorded classes for them too. Radiance Yoga. Um, and then in the flesh, I... I've started leading yoga hikes. This has been something that I started last year. It was called Kundalini Climbing. Now I'm finding a new name right now. I'm just calling it yoga hikes, but it's for anyone who lives in the DMV area. Uh, I lead them on Sundays or Mondays. My next one is on Friday, November 6th, the Friday after election. But you can just keep tabs on my website as the upcoming ones, GenevieveGen.com. And I also help. I'll have your information in the show notes so that. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And then I just teach online privates. I do two to three a week. Right now I have only openings for one more client, but <laughs> yeah, I love my private online too. I love this intimacy that comes from just being in your home on Zoom and 
I know that not everyone is into it because a lot of the jobs have brought them on Zoom, but yeah, those who are working, like a lot of my clients are working in, in person with people, whether they're at restaurants or wellness centers or... Mm-hmm. There are people who are definitely on the front lines. So, <laughs> or, or for people who realize you're on Zoom anyway, you might as well take some time for you. And you're not sitting during a private yoga class, you're moving your body. So, and being somebody like if you're working on Zoom all day, you're, you're, you're holding space for others. You are on, on for somebody else. But for a private yoga class, someone is on for you. Like you show up and you receive. Um, like, you know, Genevieve's energy, you receive guidance and you come out of it feeling like so good. So. Yeah. And I think if online is your thing and you're, if you can't leave the home, like take your computer outside take your phone outside, like you can have your private session online anywhere. Um, yeah. I think there's pros and cons to everything. The beauty of everyone being online is it makes it accessible to people who maybe didn't want to leave their homes before, or don't have the capacity to leave their homes, or just want to try something different before they meet you in person. So I love the pressure of not having to leave my home. Like, <laughs> yeah. If I still lived in like downtown DC, it would have driven me crazy. And it was kind of driving me crazy for like a month there because I was there during like quarantine, like do not leave your house quarantine, no masks, just stay home. (laughs) Uh, But now I'm like, I just choose to stay at home as much as possible. So the idea, and like, like I said, all the yoga studios here are closed, or I just like, don't know them. Like there's not, if I go there, there's not going to be Genevieve at the front desk. So like, why would I go? Um, So yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I get it. I definitely, I, I mean, like, even before all this stuff happened, before COVID, like, I was taking online classes. Like, that's how I was teaching. That's how I was learning about booty. It was, like, if someone is high energy enough, taking an online class is so fun. It's, like, the low energy classes where you're, like, oh, this is boring. I don't want to do it. But if it's, like, personalized and you feel seen and you feel, like, accepted and, like, space is held for you, like, it's so fun. Um, and that's something that Jenny definitely, definitely delivers. It's, like, not only the expertise, but, like, also the... Um, the space and the energy and the person, like the personalities, like you feel seen and heard. Um, so I have a couple questions for you. Um, yeah. that I ask everybody at the end. Um, what is the main takeaway you want for our listeners based off of your story? If they were to take something away from everything you said, what would it be? Mm. It's kind of hard. There's a lot. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things. Um, I think if you're transmuting through any type of angst, sadness, frustration, depression, um, move your body, sit with self, and just listen to the messages that are coming through. Just notice your language. Yeah. Great part, but it's so important. Um, Yeah, because how you're talking to self is how you're aligning self. So if you start to notice your curiosity and like, oh, I really like when I'm breathing like this or I like moving my body or these are the hobbies that are bringing me joy like if you can just filtrate your mind with what is making you transmute energy in a positive way to serve self and others like yeah I love that and that's with self and listen (laughs) it's always like we're the most um 
like the most transformational parts of your life are. It's not necessarily always going to be someone telling you what to do. It's always going to be you listening to yourself and being like, what's that? You want me to quit my job and chase my dreams? Like, what's that? You want me to dump that guy? You want me to stop doing this like high intensity hit workout and do something a little bit more peaceful? Like, oh my gosh. And then listening to yourself, like you are a child who's asking you for, for love and attention. Um, what is a ritual mantra or mindset that reminds you who the fuck you are? I am. <laughs> That's my mantra. I am. And then I always listen to what word is really resonating. I am balanced. What do I want to be? If I'm feeling poor, okay, I want to feel wealthy. I am wealth. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling sad, I want to feel content. I am well i've yeah. heard that a lot in like the like the cerebral mindset like world is people say like what follows i am and i'm like i don't know a lot of things i am 26 years old i am katie skinner i don't know like what i am hungry i don't know like <laughs> but the way that you you like said to sit with it and see what comes up um i think that that is like a much more aligned like still encouraging way to sit with that i'm definitely going to try that um, what inspires you about yourself? Ooh, good yeah. question, Katie. <laughs> uh, what inspires me about myself that I keep showing up? Yeah. Keep moving forward. Keep on the path. And it's like, thanks to all connections made. Like every little person on my journey. Definitely. Yeah. No, I love that. I, I would have to agree. Um, and finally, what does be your own muse mean to you? Be your own muse. Be your own muse. You are the divine chooser. You are the guider. You are the leader of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you are always in choosing. So when you recognize, when you can drop the narrative and realize that, oh, it just was a narrative and I can choose any narrative that embodies self. I can choose my own journey. I can choose my own adventure. Um, and you start to choose, that's being your own muse. yourself out of external validation and into I am choosing. I love that. Um, Cause I was just thinking actually this morning before our, before this interview for unrelated reasons, I was like in a crappy, crappy mood. Like just, I felt, I just felt crappy, but I was like, I know this, like I just showed up and I was like, all right, like let's do this. But then I was, and then I realized like I was choosing that I was choosing to perpetuate that snowball. And like, I did choose to start the snowball in the past and I let it perpetuate um, and there's so much technology within my body to, to start to transform and to heal. Like the mantra, I am breath work, yoga. I have my yoga mat all crumpled up in my office behind me. Um, <laughs> and I can always just like sit down and get still sit in a posture that makes you feel a little bit for me, this really works to sit in a posture that makes you feel a little bit vulnerable. Um, for me, like goddess pose is always like a super vulnerable position because it is vulnerable 
um, if you're not familiar, goddess pose is where like, it's also called, I've also heard it called horse pose. Mm -hmm. um, it's like your knees are out, like your legs are out, your like legs are spread, you're standing and like your whole sternum is like exposed. It's like, and your arms are typically out. And so it feels like such a powerful posture. Like it is powerful, like you're grounded and like your, your, your knees are bent in like a sumo stance kind of, but it's also incredibly vulnerable. So when I heard that it was called goddess pose, I was like, of course, <laughs> of course. Like the balance of the masculine and the feminine and like the, the vulnerability and the power. Um, and that, that is available to anybody who's listening to this. Go stand in goddess pose for, <laughs> what, what, I just, sorry, I just had this memory. Whenever I was having a shitty day, Evan would always tell me, go stand in goddess pose for 10 minutes. Whoa, that's long. That's <laughs> long, but like, you know, I don't know. I've done 108 yoga malas before, 108 sun salutations in a yoga mala before, so. It was just like, also like the physical exhaustion, when that starts to kick, kick in, you are present. You're not thinking about other things. Like you are just like, I need to get through this. So love that. Um, thank you, Genevieve. You've given me a lot to think about. And I know a lot of other people to think about, hopefully a lot for yourself to think about. Um, this Genevieve is a healer through and through and through. And she just offers I keep using the word technology. She offers the tools and the technology because that's what it is that is available within you already, like period. Like there's nothing stopping you from, from giving this a try and, and giving, giving her classes a try, giving yourself sitting in stillness and saying I am, and then like what unconsciously comes up and then allowing yourself to tie that. Um, so thank you. I had a lot of fun and we're going to include all the information about Genevieve in the show notes. Go give her a follow, go to her website. Um, she has lots of classes online already recorded. Um, if you're in the DMV area, which I know a lot of people are who follow this podcast, I know a lot of you are. So go give her yoga hikes a check out. Um, even if you just want to look at some photos for some inspiration of her doing that, she has them on her Instagram, on her website. Cool. Well, thank you, Genevieve, so, 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 so much for such an awesome conversation. Bless Katie. Thank you. Sanam. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Be Your Own Muse podcast today. I do not take it lightly that you spend your time here with me. I hope that this was a good companion to you on your morning walk, on your drive to work, while you're working on something with your hands like cooking or sewing or writing or drawing. Um, if you haven't already, follow me on Instagram at Funky Aphrodite, no spaces, spelled exactly as it's spelled, and tag me with your aha moments, your takeaways, anything that you've learned from this. I love hearing from you guys, and I cannot thank you enough for pushing play today. Until next time.